listening to On the Road with Mike and Andy, Australia's number one weekly podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies, here to bring an independent voice to truckies right round Australia. On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, and Queensland Rail committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. G'day and welcome back. It's episode 119 of On The Road and this week it's a slightly different show to what we originally had planned thanks to a running battle with computer gremlins and the unyielding ticking of the deadline clock. Nonetheless, it's a great show where we look at manners and etiquette both on and off the road. We've got some great new music for you from Rory Phillips and later on from our old friends Felicity Urquhart and Josh Cunningham. Mike shares his thoughts on being on the roads over the silly season and the challenges that that can entail. As always, all the latest from the On The Road newsroom and more. There's only 10 sleeps till Santa comes, so... Let's get this show on the road! Yes, get on with it! G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the big rigs on the road. <laughs> Across the nation, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, australiantruckradio.com.au. You know, it's not very often that in the process of getting this podcast out to you in a timely fashion each week, that we're struck by a debilitating technical issue that not only raises its ugly head, but proceeds to consume what was a great interview and devour it completely, never to be seen again. Well, the bad news is the interview is gone, but the good news is you won't miss out because we'll re-record it and bring it to you in the weeks to come. As you know, Mike and I often bang on about the situation of poor driving etiquette in this country. So we dive back into the archives of an earlier podcast series of mine called The Boomer Lounge and dug out this piece which was titled Mind Your Manners. It looks at the downward spiral in general of manners and etiquette over recent years. It might be a few years old now, but its message is as relevant today as it was back then and it can be the basis of the attitude we all have when we're behind the wheel. Here it is. And you wish it felt better Ask your mom for a tissue And don't use your sweater If your friend has a sneeze All that you have to do Is give them a smile And always say bless you So don't forget your manners Like excuse me the Core Data Social Etiquette and Pet Peeves Survey of 2017, it was found that most people rate the general standard of social etiquette in Australia these days as poor, claiming that people are now ruder and more impatient than ever, and that the art of social graces is all but dead, particularly amongst the millennials. Well, as they say in the movies, them's fighting words, so we decided to look into this apparently disturbing trend for ourselves. Taking our roving microphone out into the streets and asking you whether you agree with this or not, 
We also invited a manners and etiquette guru to share her experience and expertise on the subject. taken it to the streets and here's what you had to say. We're asking the question, have you seen a deterioration of good manners in society today? Parents are not being responsible for their children's manners. So teachers have a lot of problems in their teaching due to poor manners. Parents need to be responsible. Younger ones aren't taught manners like they used to be. Even like the please and thank you that you start off with little kids, the tar, and just general manners, letting the lady go first. And I know with equality and all that, but I don't think anyone gives up a seat for an older person. Though I don't use public transport very often, but because they're not taught that that's what you would do. Yeah. And it's up to the parents to start with the young ones. And they know, but then they've got to carry it through. I just think it's the way it's going, but... I think it starts in infancy, basically, because, I mean, the kids run right these days. They, you know, I, I blame mothers and fathers. They're not doing the right thing with them or by them. And, I mean, it is everybody. There are some really good people around and there's some a lot of well-mannered people and there's good kids and well-mannered kids as well. But yeah, it's not everybody. I mean, there are good, there's good the and bad, brush. but unfortunately the bad's getting a bit more than what it should be. neighbourhood is starting to be lost. It's like living next door to your neighbour and knowing them and but now not a lot of people know their neighbours. Just depends like where you grow up and where you come from, like what you've been taught, how to talk to people and stuff. So yeah. I just think it's one of those things that have been let go. It's not taught in school. It seems very rare now that it's even taught at home. And kids today tend to have very little respect for the people that we used to fear, like the police. If you went to the doctors, it was whatever they said was the right thing to have to do. You don't see that now with the kids. Even standing up in a bus or a train, just simple stuff that it's, it's sadly lacking. But they have good attributes too, but that part I don't think should ever be forgotten, no matter how old you are. It's across the board. It's not just the kids. To me, it's the way that you've been brought up. That's how I feel. Like, at the end of the day, you can change it yourself, you know? You don't need other people to teach you how to be nice and stuff. Once you're working in retail, I know you get, like, some angry customers here and there kind of thing, but, like, being happy and, like, accepting your customers kind of thing is, like, number one priority for myself. And that's probably where I got all my members from, to be honest. I prefer to be, you know, treat others how I like to be treated myself. So, girls and my dad did teach me that. Oh, it's a different generation, yes, but uh, it's just different. Like trying to fix the amount of times young people say like. <laughs> because I listen to Triple Z in the morning and I love why well, I love Triple Z, but all the young people, the hosts on it, yeah. I had three girls one morning and I had to turn it off because. Every one of them used like every third word. When there were three of them going, I thought, no, I can't do this anymore. And I know I used the word like, but at least it's in context.
Anna Musson is one of Australia's most respected etiquette experts. She began her career in five-star hotels where she developed a fascination for the right way of doing things. Pursuing a deep interest in etiquette knowledge, she worked under etiquette stalwart June Daly Watkins before commencing her own Sydney-based business, The Good Manners Company, in 2007. Anna truly believes etiquette is a powerful lost art which, when harnessed, can ensure a better career, relationship and life. And that's why Anna Musson is our special guest this week. Anna, top of the morning to you. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Anna, we're talking all things manners. Mm -hmm. And as best I understand it, improving people's manners is what your area of expertise is all about. Mm -hmm. I've always believed that manners are inextricably linked to courtesy and respect. Is that a proven concept or have I had it wrong all these years? No, you're absolutely right. And I think an important distinction is the difference between etiquette and manners. So etiquette are the rules around how we live and the way that we conduct ourselves. And they were dictated to us by society. Right. Good manners is the art of putting another person before yourself. Yes. And I think that's really where the show of respect comes in. Is it too old-fashioned in our thinking to expect younger people to address their seniors in a more respectful way? It personally ruffles my feathers when a youngster behind the counter in a fast food outlet, who seems to be no more than about 12 years of age, mm. greets me with, G'day, mate, what can I get you? Has Mr, Sir, Ma'am and other such respectful titles all gone the way of the dinosaur? Well, I'm sorry to say, but yes, I really think that it's cyclical and this will come back around again to be in fashion. But for the moment, really, it's been about the casualisation of Australia so if you note that we take our manners from our English cousins, yes. but the pervasiveness of American culture has really made us tone all of that down and want to be more casual. And if you look at the example of Sir Richard Branson, when he brought in Virgin, it was all about, yes, fantastic service, but we're your friend, we're your buddy, we're your pal, yeah. g'day, come on in. And that had a really strong impact on Australian culture that we thought, all right, I don't have to call everybody by their sir or their last name in order to give good service. Mm. The problem with that is if you call somebody mate or g'day or how's it going and then you don't offer the good experience on the back end, the overall value is negative and we think, wow, that was really, they made no effort. Yeah. So I think the best thing we can do is if you think I would rather be called Mrs. Musson or ma'am is... We need to be communicating with our friends or our children and saying, look, when you introduce me, this is how I would like to be introduced. And really, they might look at you strangely. I only have one set of friends who like to be called Mr. and Mrs. Dyer, and they're my age. Right. But that was important to them. And everybody else pretty much now seems to be relaxed about it. Is it maybe a case that we need to be perhaps setting an example more for younger people? Well, the problem we have now is because of technology and mobile phones, Younger people are getting their examples of behavior from the Kardashians, mm -hmm. from YouTube, mm -hmm. and we have less and less control over that as we age. And yeah. fortunately, because of that, I don't think young people are looking to their elders that much at all anymore. So really, we only have control over that when it's our children in our home. So I think you could pretty much almost do as you please now because young people are hardly paying any attention at all. Yeah. You bring up the mobile phone thing there, that really is a major issue, isn't it? Not only from the point of manners, but even just safety these days. People walking down the street with their heads buried in their phones and 
whilst it's not good manners because you're bumping into people, they're putting their, their lives at risk as well, aren't they? Mm. Oh, you're absolutely right. And I think the problem we've got is it's instant. It's instant gratification. Yeah. And we can use snail mail versus email as a perfect example of that. People want to send the thank you quickly and know that you've received our thanks quickly and things like the, the handwritten note are going by the wayside. But you know, it's really an opportunity to have these conversations with our nearest and dearest and children and grandchildren and the like and help them understand the true value of humanity, such as mm -hmm. the person who is with you takes priority over the phone. And we shouldn't be treating our phone like the third person in the conversation. So if it makes a noise or if it pings or vibrate, that we should immediately tend to it. So while we might not be able to sit down and have a proper conversation with young people, Sometimes it's a matter of saying, all right, well, how can I connect with you on your level? Right. And then once we've built that trust, we can say, you know, I hate to say the words, but in my day, before we had mobile phones, this is how we did it. Mm. They often get a glazed over expression, but it's, uh, it's definitely <laughs> worth a shot. Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. Now, Anna, taking it to the opposite extreme, and this may seem a bit far-fetched, but when we exhibit good manners, is it actually possible to take them too far and end up appearing patronising and insincere? Yes, you're absolutely right, there is. If we look at the example of Downton Abbey, hmm. manners were all about the separation of the classes. And it was all about if you knew the ins and outs and the intricacies of the etiquette around, say, for example, dining etiquette, then you were in. Right. And if you didn't know how to cross your fork or you wore a day dress to an evening meal, you were out. And it really was about getting it right. And it was about being snobby and showing others that you had more money or more breeding or more class than we did. Mm -hmm. Whereas now we've got to think, all right, well, that's not actually the most important thing. The most important thing is to put others at ease. Yeah. And they say that good manners like food in your mouth should be invisible. So rather than focusing on that young man didn't give up his seat for me or, you know, that young lady just called me mate, We've got to think, okay, well, how can I make sure that they feel more comfortable hmm. rather than pointing out their faults and vice versa. We've just got to always be thinking, how can I put myself in the other person's shoes? And that really is the premise of all good manners. Yeah. And manners tend to be contagious. Is that a fair thing to say? Yes, absolutely. One of the things that many business people struggle now is the role of chivalry in the workplace. Hmm. And the reality is the business environment is now gender neutral. We show prevalence to the person who is senior to us by position, not by age. Mm -hmm. So who gets the door? Who pays for dinner? All of these things really come down to, well, who gets to the door first? Should hold the door for the other person regardless of gender. And the same with paying for dinner. It's less so the man should pay and more so who extended the invitation. 
because now the person who extended the invitation picks up the tab. Got to remember, all right, well, times are changing. Got to get with the program now and think, okay, the most important thing now is showing kindness to others. And that's what people love. One of my favorite things is to hold the door open for gentlemen when we're in a big building in the city of Sydney and right in the CBD. And they vary in their look. Sometimes it's a look of appreciation. Thank you. Sometimes it's shock because they think, oh my gosh, was I supposed to get the door? (laughs) And then they're guilty. And then it's all, no, after you, I insist. But really, that sensation of someone putting you before themselves, people love it. And increasingly, it's so rare. And I'll give you an example when it's a job application. Increasingly, we find a person will apply for the role with an email. They'll go into the meeting. They'll be on their phone before the CEO comes out to meet them. And they put their phone away and they go in. And then they send a thank you email. By comparison, if you send a handwritten note, as a thank you for, for seeing me. Mm. It usually arrives in a couple of days when making their shortlist and deciding who they want to see. And I have had many department heads say, they sent a handwritten note, it's still on my desk. They weren't right for that role, but because of their heart and their character, we kept them for something else. It now is a wonderful opportunity for standing out. Mm-hmm. Perhaps taking that a step further, looking at it from a, a purely selfish point of view, it's been said that by being well-mannered, courteous, considerate, we actually improve our chances of not only getting what we want, but receiving even better service and treatment than we would otherwise expect. A hundred percent. So recently, my friend and I checked into a hotel. It was her 40th birthday, and I had booked a twin room so that we'd have a bed each. When we arrived, they said, I'm sorry, we've only got king rooms, so one bed. And I thought, this is an opportunity here. I can either become cranky, put my foot down, or be sweet and gracious to this young lady. And we said, okay, look, I'm sure it's not your fault. It's just disappointing. We're 40. We don't want to share a bed. Mm. And she upgraded us to the penthouse suite. She said, most people would have been cranky and awful, but you girls were very sweet and it's your birthday. I thought it's an interesting example of how we are very quick to say, well, this is what I want and I won't stand for anything else. But the old school approach of putting someone else before ourselves and saying, all right, well, screaming at her is only going to make her feel terrible. Mm. Then we actually got an upgrade. And I think that really applies across the board. And sometimes we have our friends with someone and we're not quite sure what it is about them that makes them special. And that's because good manners are invisible. We just know that when we're in their company, they're not going to make a rude joke at our expense. They're not going to say something to embarrass us. They're always going to make us feel valued and comfortable and safe in their presence. Mm. And the only really way we can spread that is by being that ourselves. And, you know, as Michael Jackson said, be the man in the mirror. Mm. But it really is true. And people love when they feel like they're number one. And good manners is all about saying, okay, you're the most important person. Never mind me. After you, excuse me, please, thank you. The classics are still the best. It's really that simple, isn't it? It really is. Mm. One of the things we teach our child is to always put your phone away, look up and give a, speak to a person in eye contact. So the basics of a good firm handshake, eye contact, please, thank you, excuse me when you bump into someone. And, you know, the basics are still the best. And the other thing about manners is they're free. Mm. So once you've got this down, I mean, it's not free to bring me into a business to speak, but once you've got that down, the rest is free. So unfortunately, children aren't necessarily so interested in this anymore. It really does come down to families to make sure this gets through to our children and grandchildren. Yeah. And not only are they free from my own experience, I found it it doesn't actually hurt either. (laughs) It's not a painful experience. No, it's not. And I know this is awful, but sometimes we get a a little feeling of superiority knowing that we thought of another person's 
or they sort of ask with regards to the door or something. And sometimes a person realizes their error only by seeing our example. Mm. Sometimes there's a lot of visitors to Australia. There's a lot of people who didn't grow up with our customs and uh, the way that we do things. So I make sure that the person bumps into me on the street because they have a different approach to that. I always say, I'm so sorry, so that they know, okay, well, that's how they respond to that here. Mm. And I think, you know, whenever you travel, you should look up the etiquette of that country. But having people in different countries in our cities means they often walk on the right side of the pavement instead of the left. Yeah. And it's those little things that make us cranky. So wherever possible, deep breath, excuse me, I apologise, thank you, being sweet. Many of the people we've spoken to have brought up a lack of courtesy these days, and we mentioned this earlier, in respect of giving up your seat for an older person or a person with a disability on public transport. Mm. A bit tongue-in-cheek, but has it come to the point where we need to be wearing oversized badges that say something like, hi there, I'm old and sick, please offer me a seat? Well, to be honest, I would love to see big signs on our trains, on our buses, in our theatres with a little bit of etiquette on them. Mm. So that means on the back of your ticket or wherever it needs to be that people see it, please stand for someone who needs to seat more than you. And we shouldn't have to say, should we? We shouldn't have to say for a disabled person mm. or an elderly person or a pregnant person, just anyone really who needs to seat more than you. And I approached the Department of Transport in New South Wales about that and they thought it was particularly amusing that we should need to go down that track. But if you go to America or Asia, they put a lot of focus on those things where they really value the idea of respecting our elders and looking after those who are less privileged or less able than others. Mm-hmm. You know, I know in all parts of Asia, when you're waiting for a train, they've mapped out on the ground where you can stand to wait to the edges and they've got arrows pointing out so that those who are coming out of the train have got a clear view. Mm. And then stickers all over the subway in New York about not putting feet on seats, not eating on the trains. But I think if we could get rid of mobile phones, people would actually notice when you get on public transport and you need some assistance. Yeah. That's half the problem. Those dreaded mobile phones, as wonderful as they are, do seem to be a major part of the problem, don't they? Yes. (laughs) Yes, they do. And short of sending everyone to finishing school, how do we address this problem and how do we go about generally improving our manners, all of us? Well, the number one thing is to remember that society is dynamic. Things are always changing and we're better to embrace it with both hands and say mobile phones are wonderful. I'm going to be someone who puts it away before I walk down the street and if we're wondering how tall Brad Pitt is over dinner, (laughs) you don't have to find out straight away or you can wait till after dinner. But really, it comes down to us not being in grumpy pants on the street that people are walking on the wrong side or on their phones, but trying to just say, okay, well, as for me, me and my house are going to have lovely manners. And that's all we can really control. And just taking a step back and trying not to ever say, in my day, Mm -hmm. which is very tempting, Mm -hmm. we've really got to embrace it and just try to be kind to those that we come into contact with. And we can't change the world. Absolutely. I'm trying. We all are, I think. Our special guest this morning has been Anna Musson from The Good Manners Company. Anna, thank you so much for taking the time out to speak with us today. It's been great to spend some time with you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Kermie here from Trucking with Kermie. I listen to On the Road podcasts every week on the Australian Big Rigs Road Show. And when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking with Kermie on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there. And in the meantime, take care of you. Copy there, Andy. Gotcha, go. Better throw out those anchors, buddy. The traffic's at a standstill up here.
I reckon some clown's got himself stuck under the Dunlop Terrace Railway Bridge again. Again? Maybe he was delivering a bridge and ran out of diesel. Yeah, no, it's no joke really. According to Queensland Rail, there's been 65 bridge strikes and around 280 of those protection beams hit on the Queensland Rail network in the last financial year. With the fines around 11 and a half grand, you'd think drivers would make a point of knowing the height of their truck. The fines are one thing, more to the point these people are risking their lives and putting others in danger. Yeah, roger that. Maybe Queensland Rail should do some kind of educational advertising to warn drivers about the danger of bridge strikes. They are, mate. Why do you think we're recording this? <laughs> oh, yeah. They're smart people at Queensland, right? Yeah, good looking too, just like us. <laughs> this safety message is brought to you by Queensland Rail as a reminder to us all that size matters. Know your trucking height. As a general rule, young men tend not to talk about their feelings and our Aussie artist under the spotlight this week is Rory Phillips. He's trying to help erase this stigma with the new single he's just released. Now bear in mind this young bloke is just 16 years old and co-wrote the song with another very young man we've introduced to you before, one Freddie Bailey, along with four times Golden Guitar winner Ashley Dallas. Both Rory and Freddie are graduates of the CMMA Academy and in this song called Because Boys, they've taken maturity and conviction to a whole new level. What started out as a simple songwriting exercise during some time out from the Academy, the song has taken on a life of its own. Talking about the song, Rory said, We set out to write a song back in July 2021 and this one just came together. It kind of hit pretty close to home for me though as I'd lost a friend to suicide about 18 months prior and I'd often wondered if he'd still be here if he'd only reached out and spoken to someone. We don't like to do that, us boys, but we should. There's no shame in saying that you're struggling and if this song helps just one young bloke to speak up, then I'll be happy. Phillips teamed up with Ears and Eyes Creative based in Newcastle and brought the song visually to life with the help of a few mates. The video was shot in the Maitland area and shows how young blokes can support and connect with each other just by hanging out together and spending time doing the things they love. The single is now available online for pre-order and is set for release this weekend. Here is the incredibly gifted 16-year-old Rory Phillips with Because Boys.
We just wanted to stop by for a moment and say, G'day, how are you? No, I mean, how are you, really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue for the Australian road transport and logistics industries. Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. There are some incredible people and organisations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind and spirit. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Take care of yourselves. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well. Hey everyone, this is Jane Denham and you're listening to Mike and Andy on the road. Now, it's coming up to silly season. The caravans are going to be out there. The bloody camper trailers are going to be dusted off and hooked up behind the four-wheel drive and they're going to stack all their crap on top of them and head off down the road. I just like everyone to think about the idea that the mindset of these people is not the same as ours. They're on holidays. They're going to visit Nana. They're going to go and camp three feet apart. God knows why, but that's what they're going to do. They're off doing their thing. You know, mum's off doing the shopping or something like that. They're not in the same headspace that we are trying to get our job done. I don't want to make excuses for anyone. They should be paying attention to what they do. After all, driving is one of the most dangerous things that we do in our daily life. We all know that. But sometimes people aren't on the same page. 
we've got all the added pressure of DCs wanting you there at the right time and all the hold-ups and trying to make up time and wanting to get our job done so that we can be home for Christmas. These are the pressures that we face that sometimes cause us to maybe push a little bit too hard when the weather's not right, maybe push a little bit too hard in the traffic and things like that. Just remember that if you get involved in someone else's accident, then you're still going to need to answer the questions and it could have consequences for you for years to come. It's really not worth it. I've been driving around over the last few days. I've seen guys sitting way, way too close to cars. I've seen some pretty erratic moves and things like that. I'm lucky. I don't have to push the same way some of you guys do. But have a think about it. Have a talk about it. Ring your mates. Keep in touch. You know my number, 0418 722 if you want to have a chat. I'm always out here I'm having a go. If you want to send me an email, mike at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Love to hear your feedback. It's been a great year. We've got a great Christmas show coming up with some music and things, and we look forward to talking at you again down the track. See you on the road. Road News is brought to you by Big Rigs, Australia's national road transport newspaper. G'day Mike, where'd you be mate? Mate, I'm down in sunny Melbourne and it is a little bit sunny at the moment, although the wind had blown the milk out of your coffee, but anyway. Yeah. Good oh. Mm. Mate, we've had a bit of a week for computer issues. Mate, my laptop's in the doctors at Apple at Penrith at the moment. It looks like I might be getting a new one. Oh, well, that'd be good. Yeah, it's under warranty, thank God. But unfortunately, mate, the last backup I've got is about a week old. So unfortunately, awesome interview, conversation that I had with our friend Dick Smith, unfortunately, is lost. Mm. I'm going to have to go back to him, but he's a good bloke. I think he'll live with it. Oh, yeah, he is. And after a full dress rehearsal like that, it should be bigger and better the second time. Well, that's right. He won't be sitting in the side of the car on the Blue Mountains on a Sunday drive, that's for sure. (laughs) I hate technology, I really do. Having said that, I try to keep up to date with the latest developments and I was reading somewhere this week that the guy who invented that damn predictive text thing just passed away. Did he really? Yeah, apparently his fun fair will be held next monkey. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear, oh dear. Yeah, it just gets worse, doesn't it? Does just remember, people, it's never duck, all right? (laughs) It's it's never duck. Mike, a total of $210,000 in fines has been handed out to a New South Wales freight company, its managing director and a scheduler for fatigue and speed-related offences. Old mate George DePauli. Hmm. I reckon you should be able to write that cheque, but that'll that'll be fine. No pun intended. (laughs) No no pun intended. Now, look, seriously, this is what happens. I mean, DePauli's aren't a big company. They're only a reasonably sort of a moderate middle-sized one. Hmm. Yeah, they've been around for a long time and obviously court documents there say they failed to provide training regarded driver fatigue and calculating rest breaks and filling out logbooks and blah, 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 right? Mm. George started his business in 2006. Before that, it was a different name. Started back in 87. So they've been around for a long time. Like everyone, I think that they let their drivers pretty much look after themselves. Mm. I know I certainly did when I owned my trucks. I expected the drivers to know what they were doing as far as their logbook went. Yep. Without putting too fine a point on it, uh, George has got not too much control if his blokes will let one roll off a hill. Yep. 
that's in the driver's hand. Anyway, look, I wonder about the size of the fine. I do see that there is a need to get into it with the chain of responsibility and, and get fire and back up the line past the drivers to where these issues occur. Mm. But I can tell you now, there's much worse out there than the police. You'd think they'd have hit him with, one, what do they call those agreements? Oh, the enforceable undertaking. Yeah, an EU. Yeah, yeah, look, I don't know. I think you've actually got to ask for an EU. Do you? I think you do, yeah. I don't think it's something that they just offer you. Right. I think you've got to ask one. I might be wrong on that. We might need to get someone from NHVR to find out. Be interesting. The magistrate said that he accepted based on George's evidence that the company did have some measures in place, and although they were plainly inadequate, he also accepted that the contraventions were not deliberate attempts to circumvent or avoid responsibility with respect to fatigue management, but he still smacked him with a pretty substantial fine. Hmm. And look, without putting too much pain on the whole thing, $180,000 fine for the company is a big fine. Yep. That's a lot of work for free. I know. I was never there. I was never listening to the evidence or anything like that. But, you know, they operate 32 trucks. You know, they'd have a reasonable sort of a turnover. But to absorb $180,000, yeah, anyway. And another thirty grand between the two of them, yeah? Mm, that's right. Mm. Yeah. Following on from early works already underway, the first phase of construction for the Rockhampton Ring Road in Queensland will get underway in 2023, with the Queensland and federal governments reaching an agreement to get the ball rolling. Yeah, mm. and you know, they'll kick the can down the road a couple more times, I'd say, before it gets finished. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, another Bruce Highway, you reckon? Well, it is the Bruce Highway, mate. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> you know what I mean, though. Yeah, I do. Say no more. Yeah. Catherine King said that they've always been committed to the project and uh, that's why they've kept funding the forward estimates for it. The fact is that it does need to be built. Rockhampton's not a small place and there are a lot of trucks traverse that little area every day. It is something that needs to be done. I would like to think that when they're planning it and when they're doing it, they actually lay out a nice big truck rest area with some facilities. Mm-hmm. Right, that can take the bigger combinations that we've got now comfortably with some shade and with some soundproofing and that where blokes can get a good rest. I'd like to think they plan that into building it before it's opened. Well, you'd like to think that with the current focus that's on that. It'd be a scary thing, wouldn't it, to consider that that might happen? Mm. Maybe with some shade tables and a couple of electric barbecue plates and now a nice separate area for the caravans to park and, and all that sort of thing. Wouldn't that be good if you could have some forethought and do something like that? Yeah, maybe a cocktail bar and a swimming pool too. Cocktail bar and a swimming pool and some live entertainment, maybe a band. Maybe you should get down there with the guitar, mate. Yeah, and a couple of dollars, <laughs> throw me hat on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, mate, some of the entertainment I've seen in the rest areas the last few days, I'll tell you what, enough to make you shake your head. <laughs> Visual entertainment, yeah. Oh, not good. That's <laughs> not a good look. I saw a bloke the other night hmm. come roaring out of the cab of his truck, and I'm just driving in, so I've nailed him with the high beam, right? Yeah. And he's in his, he's in his underpants running for the <laughs> toilet. God knows what was happening to him. He was like a rabbit. I shouldn't laugh. He was obviously being clearly in and on a mission and in distress. Well, it's a shame this is not a video cast, but I think your description has given us all a pretty good idea of what happened. Thank you. <laughs> it's a vision you just don't need in your head, isn't it? That's for sure. Mate, following a new report which has revealed that profits in the stevedore industry have increased by 14% since the start of the pandemic, 
Australia's consumer watchdog, the ACCC, has put them on notice that there'll be closer scrutiny of the industry from now on. Well, colour me shocked yeah. that some people didn't make money out of the COVID thing. Mm. Colour me shocked. I'm amazed. Yeah. DP World, Patrick's and others collectively achieved operating profits of between 21 and 27%. Mm. And if you remember, old mate Simon O'Hara from Road Freight, New South Wales, mm has been saying for ages that the ports and everything aren't running as effectively as they could be and they're charging too much. Well, the proof is in the pudding, didn't it? Yep. They've been under the radar for a while. I mean, I remember a time when all over the news every day, all you heard about were the wharves and Patrick's and all that lot. Yeah. It's been quiet for a long time. Yeah, yeah it has. When you think about it, I remember we, when we talked about it last time, I can't remember the exact numbers, but I think it was like a couple of hundred bucks to turn a box around, wasn't it? Mm. I can't remember the exact number. I'm sure someone can quote me, but it was around that figure somewhere. Yeah. And when you consider the amount of freight that we import and export in this country, it's not hard to understand how these boats could just put a few bucks aside and be quite happy with it. It's like toll roads, isn't it? Yeah. When you think about how much you're paying your tolls and you look at the cars and the trucks and everything going up and down the toll roads, yeah, you know, the, the likes of Transurban just might be just sitting there. You remember that coffins? They just reach out and grab the coins and pull it towards yeah. them and just keep doing the money boxes. One of those. Mm. They're like those, aren't they? They are. Anyway, mate, there you go. Getting slightly off track there, but years ago I did a trip to New Guinea on a container ship with my old man. Yeah, I know. So before we boarded in Newcastle, I think it was from memory. We were watching him load up all the containers and there was one bloke on each corner of the container to hook up the chains for the crane and mm. there was another bloke who held the ladder and then there was another bloke who was apparently the designated weather watcher yeah. who kept an eye on the skies and all that. And then when we got up into Ley in New Guinea, yeah. it was like one bloke <laughs> and he'd shimmy up the sign of the container, hook up all the four things, stay on the thing till it was up on the ship, yeah. down into place and then he'd run back down the gangway in and the, his mate would be doing the next one and it was one bloke on each container. It was quite impressive to watch. It's a very, very, very different environment when you go overseas and you start seeing how some things get done. Yeah. And no whinging from them either. They were wrapped to have the job. No, that's right. Mm. The Stories from the Road Museum in South Australia will be hosting their third annual reunion from Friday, March 31st to Sunday, April 7th next year. That's right, mate. Old mate Liz is uh, organising this thing. I unfortunately won't be able to be there, I don't think. Mm. It really is quite amazing. I've had a bit of a virtual look at what they've got over there, and, and Liz is doing a marvellous job. Liz Martin, as you probably all remember, used to run the uh, Hall of Fame up in Alice. Yep. Now she's got down there to Port Pirie. Port Pirie's a lot more accessible than Alice to some people. Mm. So there's going to be a lot of stuff there. And it's not just trucks either. It's old memorabilia from ages ago. Old memorabilia? I thought you said you weren't going to be there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'll tell you what, mate. I I was walking around a flower exhibition once and my fly came undone. I got first prize for a best dried arrangement. (laughs) (laughs) I did not see that coming. Did you? Right, neither did they. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, they've got some things going on there. You can nominate people to be put on the regions board. Mm. To nominate, simply send through some photos and information about the nominee and their contribution to the industry. You know what I'm thinking about doing? Um, nominating me. Nominate you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, you've contributed, mate. You've uh, been contributing for a couple of years now. In a roundabout kind of way, yeah. You know who's never been nominated for any of this stuff? As far as I'm aware, 
not on the Hall of Fame wall in Alice or anything. That's all the guys that participated in Razorback. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Mm. I was quite surprised about that. I was talking to Bob McMillan about it the other day. He doesn't think that they're up there either. Maybe the stories of the Road Museum might be a good place for him to get some recognition for what they did way back when. I think that would be only the right thing to do. Absolutely. I might have to do some homework mm. and see if that can happen. Three-day event it's going to be, Legends of the Road Industry Induction for 2023, and they're going to induct probably 150 legends with the nominations still open. There are 300 names on the wall already. They're looking to add about another 150, and the nominations will be closing in late January. So if you know someone who should be there, then get on to Liz Martin at the Stories from the Road Museum at Port Pirie. Easy to find. Get on the webpage, get on Facebook and get hold of her and send your nominations in. We don't get much recognition. Sometimes a little bit's good. Yeah. Yeah, go on. Someone nominate Mike, will you? <laughs> Let's get Mike on the wall. Oh, dear, oh dear. You don't know about that. I've often thought I'd like to see him nailed to the wall. <laughs> Not in that way. <laughs> uh. Well, mate, that's pretty much all the regular news we've got, but I think you've got a few other bits and pieces for us, have you? Well, I wanted to have a quick chat about what the NRFA are doing with the steering committee for the rest area thing that's going on at the moment. Yep. Today's the 16th of December and the nominations close today, so you can get your nomination in by the close of business today if you want to try and get on that steering committee. The NRFA have set up a fund to help fund guys who are on trip money and things and who can't afford to take the time or take the loss of going there. We want the best drivers, no matter who they are, to be on this committee. There are five slots for drivers. There are four slots for the suits. Mm -hmm. If we can get some good drivers on there that know what they're talking about, then you know we stand to do really, really well out of this. There's $140 million to be spent. The money's already there in the budget. I've been assured that we're not playing. Drivers are going to be listened to this time. I believe it in my heart. I believe it in my heart that that's what's going to happen. Mm. I've thrown my hat in the ring. I don't know who's going to get a go. I really don't. But I would expect that Rod Hannafy will get a go. He will be one. He should be a walk-up start, that guy. He'd be criminal if he's not. Well, if there's anyone in Australia that knows more about rest areas and their placement and things like that than Rod Hannafy, I'd like to meet him. Mm. I really would. Mm. So we've got this fund set up through the NRFA GoFundMe. You can contact the NRFA directly or you can find it there. I've certainly said a bit about it on Facebook and on Twitter. And so is Big Rigs. Mm. So have a look there and see if you can find the link. If you haven't, give me a ring, send me a text message. I'll send you the link. Yep. Donate a few bucks now. Important to know, hmm. the Transport Workers Union have tipped five grand into the tin to help sort this out and fund the drivers. Shut the front door. Shut the front door, mate. Five K. <laughs> wow, that's impressive. It is impressive. Hmm. It is a national issue, and they recognise that. I had a brief conversation with Michael Kane to thank him for their contribution, and he recognises that this is a national issue and that the TWU want to support long-distance drivers, and he thinks that this is a good way to do it, and I agree 100%. Thanks, mate. Thanks very much for putting it in. Yeah. I might even have to join the damn TWU the way I'm going. Oh, Mike, stop it. Come on. <laughs> Enough of that sort of talk. Oh, look, mate, you've got to give credit where it's due. You really do. Yeah, it is an important thing. If you can tip five bucks in, tip 20 bucks in, whatever. I believe Mark Parry's made a donation as well from Finnemore's. Okay. So there you go. Let's move on a little bit. Yeah. 
I've written a little bit, as everyone's aware, probably about electronic work diaries. Mm. And no doubt there are positions for and against the electronic work diaries. Mm. If anyone is interested, the data is coming in in the States. There's been an article published in Overdrive magazine, which is a well-known trucking magazine from the US. It's written by a bloke named Matt Cole on October the 20th of this last year and, and updated again on the 28th. They finalised in 2015 in the States, they called ELDs or electronic logging devices. Right. That was finalised in December 2015. Hmm. Since then, there's been a study done earlier this year utilising the crash data from the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, which is the overseeing body like our NHBR in the States, yep. and compared the four years pre the mandate to the four years post the mandate. And I'll tell you what, mate, the numbers are eye-opening. Yeah. Now, the people that are running the motor carriers have basically said you can't blame one measure or a difference in what goes on on the road statistically. And I'll tell you what, there's a bit of a groundswell over there at the moment that suggests that you bloody well can. Mm. People are blaming the electronic logs. Yeah. In the pre-mandate period from 2014 to 2017, Mm. there were 504,214 crashes. Yep. In the four-year period after the mandate, there were 565,043 crashes. So basically, 60,000 crashes more. Interesting. That's a lot, isn't it? Mm. More injuries up over around 15,000 injuries. But here's the worst part, more fatalities. Mm-hmm. In the four years previous to the mandate, there were 16,851 people lost their life. In the four years post it, 18,534. And it doesn't matter how you look at the stats, it doesn't matter how you measure the data, the crash data from those periods show a clear correlation between the two things. It really is a very, very, very interesting article. I've put a little bit on it on the On The Road podcast Facebook page. You can get there. There's a link to the article. You can read it in its entirety and you can see what they've done. Mm-hmm. A little bit dry in places. But they're about to begin the review of the ELD mandate. The FMCSA are about to go ahead and, and do that. There's a part of their act there that they can go and review these things. Some of the big companies have come out. There's one from Missouri called Landstar and some owner-operators that tow trailers for them. And one guy basically said, you can't put a stopwatch on a driver mm. anytime you're doing a safety-sensitive job like driving. And then you're being timed to do that job to a certain level. Then when time starts to run out, guys are going to start rushing the job. And as soon as you start trying to do this job in a hurry, you mess up. Yeah. And that's exactly the criticism I made about it when I wrote about it a couple of years ago when we were talking about it here. I run an electronic work diary. I've had to change the way I do things a little bit. Sometimes you've got to pull up where you don't really want to pull up, but you have to. It's hard because we're all different. And as soon as you start to go prescriptive on things and say, well, this is how much time you've got, then because we're not all the same, we all work differently. I can drive for a lot longer than some other people can drive. Some people can drive for longer than me. Mm. There's just no flexibility in the logbook system, and I think that is in itself the issue. Mate, just taking a slight left turn for a moment. Mm-hmm. In the States, do you reckon that all of this is partly what's causing this incredible surge towards the testing of autonomous vehicles and things like that? Oh, mate, I've got no doubt that that's driving it. It's just getting bigger and bigger over there, isn't it, that thing? It is, yeah. They're really getting stuck right into it. 
I don't like the idea of autonomous vehicles. I don't like the idea of remote-controlled or computer-controlled things operating in a public space Mm. because humans, for all of our faults, will make choices sometimes that a computer wouldn't make. Mm. And computers make decisions based on the data that they've got right in front of them. And humans make decisions based on things that aren't quite so concrete. You remember that movie, I, Robot? You remember that one? Yeah, yeah. That was that Will Smith, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a Will Smith movie. Hmm. And the robot saved someone because he thought that that person had a better chance of survival. Yeah. Where, as a human, may have made a different choice. And I think that that was one of the things that troubled Will Smith, the character, in the movie. Hmm. And that sort of thing does trouble me a little bit. Computers and things, they make perfectly rational, perfectly understandable decisions. But sometimes, for some reasons, they're just not the right decision. And that's what worries me. Your computer this week decided we didn't need that interview anymore. So That's right. Mm. But anyway, it's a great article. If you want to look it up, you can find it. All the other stuff, please go to bigrig.com.au and read the stories there yourself. And if you've got anything to contribute, anything to add, give me a ring. 0418722488 or send me an email, Mike, at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. More than happy to have some trucky interaction. It's what we're all about. It is indeed. Well, mate, to close down the news for the week, after a week of battling through those computer glitches, I found this for our thought for the week, and it kind of sums up the week we've had. Right. To err is human, but a human error is nothing to what a computer can do if it really puts its mind to it. <laughs> Uh, we've been screwed by the MacBook Pro, mate. That's all I can say to you. Mm, we'll bring on the new one. Indeed. All right, mate. Safe travels. Thanks, buddy. Catch you later on. Hooroo. For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. Something Good is the new single out from two Aussie music legends we've spoken to in the past, Felicity Urquhart and Josh Cunningham. It's an irresistible slice of western swing topped with the incredible pedal steel guitar work of Ben Franz from The Waifs. The song has a classic feel but still sounds like it's fresh straight from the oven. They've got a new album set for release next year and will be hitting the road for a major tour, kicking off with the Tamworth Country Music Festival in January. Here are the wonderful Felicity Urquhart and Josh Cunningham with Something Good. Well, I feel like I never thought I could Until now I've been so misunderstood Lately I've been feeling lucky, knock on wood My baby, she must be something good Strong black coffee 
brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, and Queensland Rail committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. Be sure to join us again next week when our guest says, Just for you, I'll say yes. Mike says, Have you ever done it like just for a joke? And Andy says, Well, actually, no. In the meantime, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. The team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech, and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions. Things change when you move to my neighbourhood Fall in love, well I always knew I Lately I've been feeling lucky, knock on wood My baby, she must be something good My baby, he must be something good My baby, sure is something good